lot of us want a challenge. We want to have to learn a new thing or tackle something new. And in my case, it's this particular character in this job. So I just kind of was lucky that it was brought my way and I grabbed it. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. It's hard to capture in words the impact that Annette Bening has had on Hollywood. After spending the majority of her 20s on stage, her breakthrough film role came in 1990 with The Grifters, which earned her an Oscar nomination and Hollywood's undivided attention. That was followed by films like Bugsy, where she met her husband of 31 years, Warren Beatty, American Beauty, and The Kids Are All Right. Now in the fourth decade of her career, Annette is still thriving as an actress. She's taken on eight major roles in the past 10 years alone, including 20th Century Women, The Report, Hope Gap, and Captain Marvel. The most recent of these undertakings is Nyad, which chronicles the real-life story of Diana Nyad, played by Annette, who, at 64, became the first person ever to swim from Cuba to Florida. Never one to shy away from a challenge, Annette trained for a year in order to withstand spending three to eight hours in the water each day on set. Her dedication has resulted in an Oscar nomination for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role. In total, Annette has five Oscar nominations, four of which have been in the Best Actress category. Her co-star, Jodie Foster, is also nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. Nyad is a film that captures the resilience of the human spirit, and I am honored to learn more about the experience from Annette herself. Plus, we talk about her career and the current state of the industry and her favorite ways to spend the day. Imagine knowing in your bones that you could do something that only you could do, like fate. Enough with the fate, Diana. Nyad. I know what your name means. My father. He was an asshole. Yes, he was an asshole but he understood my destiny. This isn't about you or or your destiny. This is about me, okay? For once, this is about me. And and you don't, you don't, you don't even think of me. You just, you just want me to like tag along with you, like, like. No, of course I think about you. I know what you're capable of better than you do. Listen to yourself, that is so patronizing. I can't. Look, I know that the world wants me to shut my mouth and sit down and wait to die, but I didn't think you did. Stop. I can't. I won't. I will not accept defeat. Hello, Annette Benning. Hi. One of the things I've heard you say, it was articulated in such a perfect way. But when an actor gets a script for the first time, they have one free read before they start analyzing, do I want to do this? How am I going to do this? Where's the conflict? Where's the story? How am I going to... Their brain starts going. What was that experience of your one free read when you got NIAD? I was really moved. I was really knocked out and shocked by the story. I knew a little bit about Diane and I had. I hadn't really followed the swim when she did it. I listened to her on NPR. I had a few associations with her, but not a lot. I'd never read anything like it, obviously, and I'd never done anything like it, nor did I ever imagine I would do anything like it. <laughs> I, athletic in my 60s, like, what? I, you know, it, it never... 
entered my imagination. So I just loved it. She was so complex. That's what I loved about her too. She just jumped off the page as this woman that I'd never seen in a, in a story before on film. I'd never seen this character. I'd never read anything like her. And even some of the stuff that was there that isn't even in the movie I'm remembering, but the essence of her as we ended up kind of figuring her character out and, and how I played her was there. It was there on the page. So I just immediately just knew I was going to do it. Mm. And then you started to think about the actual physicality of doing it, I would imagine. But before you got to that part, what was when you decide you're going to do it and then you actually get to meet Diana Nyad and uh, obviously Bonnie, who's her best friend and trainer and support system, 100 percent support system, obviously, as it's presented in the film. What was that first meeting like? You've read about them. You have your ideas about them. And then you actually meet them. It was really intense. I remember I went to Bonnie's house and Bonnie has this adorable dog who is big. His name is Mr. <laughs> and she, we're all dog people, all of us. The two of them were so intense and so intent on asking me questions. They wanted to know everything about me and they have a level of energy, the two of them, which is extraordinary. And now I can see they're always like that, <laughs> having known them a while now. So it was really fun. And they were very open. They even were open enough to share something that was difficult for them, just in, in terms of the story and in terms of what it was like to have this very, very personal part of their lives, very public, but also very personal put on screen. I think at that point they were feeling particularly kind of, I think it's fair to say vulnerable. They didn't know me and they didn't know us and they knew the producer some, they knew the directors some, but if you can imagine someone deciding to do your life story and I'm sure it was daunting. So at that point, Diana shared some of her reservations with me and I got it, you know, and I just said, look, you have to understand I'm on your side completely, 100%. I, I will protect you. I will advocate for you. And none of us want to do anything but honor you. But yes, we do have to create a narrative. And we have to create an arc for this woman and a, and a character arc. And so we're going to have to take some liberties with the actual you know, events of your life and kind of who you are. In life, she's very outer-directed. She's very charismatic. She just has that natural personality. She's got the stories. She's got the stuff to share. She's definitely a big personality, but she's terribly curious about everybody that's in the room, and she gets to know everyone, and she wants to know their names and where they're from and their whole story. But in, in the movie, we did need to, like I said, create an arc. And so the more she got to know me, the more time we spent together, the more I think she trusted that and that she could see that the, the delicate matters of her life in her childhood, she had a really tough stepfather. He, she didn't even know he was her stepfather at the time. She thought it was her father, father. She found out in her early, early twenties from her mother that this man who was this kind of charismatic force in the family and handsome and 
you know, would wake them up in the middle of the night and insist they go look at the moon and just a kind of wild, imaginative, charismatic character. But he was also horrible. And he was also, which happens, right? He was also physically abusive and sexually abusive to her. And then once she got into swimming, which was her great passion as a kid, she got in with this swim coach who was one of the best and very, very important in that competitive field. And he was sexually abusing her as well as many, many other girls. They didn't know that at the time. So we didn't want to overemphasize that stuff. It's not about that. It's about the swim that happened when she's 60 something. She starts when she's 60. She achieves it when she's 64. So all of that had to be gently nuanced in. And we needed to reassure Diana that we were going to do it that way. I'm so grateful to her because she did trust me. And, you know, it's one of the real pleasures as an actor when you get to play someone like that. It's so intimate. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to know them so well. It's a bond that we still have, I think. As a human, right, you are sympathetic and empathetic and you understand them as you're getting to know them. But then as the artist, you have to portray some of those unpleasant parts of their personality. You have to show those complexities. It's not like kind of a couple meetings and then they go away and you see them at the premiere. They were integral part of this process. How was that balance for you? Bonnie always teases her about that and says, yeah, Diana, they wouldn't let you come to the set because they were afraid if you were on set, you would yell cut. <laughs> Probably <laughs> you true. You take over. <laughs> but that's just a te- that's just teasing her. I think one of the reason a lot of people respond to the movie and the reason I responded to the story is because it's such a relief to show women with all of their complexities, their flaws, the fact that they can be have all these contradictions because for so long we just saw women who were sort of these stereotypes of younger women, middle-aged women, older women. You know, we didn't see the nuance that we saw in our lives, our mothers and our grandmothers and their friends. There's all these interesting characters, but somehow we didn't see them in our stories. So I love that we're beginning to see these kinds of characters in the writing, you know, that have flaws and that have strengths and weaknesses. And like I said, contradictions. So I fell in love with all of that. And that's what I try to tease out of of every character that I find is because I think that I need to see that when I see things. I need to see people who aren't idealized. And then enter Jodie Foster to play Bonnie, right? Just seeing these powerhouse women on screen together, making this story come to life. And then to realize, I think this is the first time you met Jodie, right? Mm -hmm. But yet you had to convey this lifelong friendship and relationship. How was that working with Jodie and meeting her and her process? It was very easy, very quickly. Once I heard that she was interested and she came over to meet me, she was going to really kind of see what I was really like, you know. And she's very charming, very intelligent. She had lots to say about what she thought about the filmmaking process. Water is famously difficult to shoot on. So what were the logistics going to be? And she had a lot of thoughts. Everything on the water takes longer. I think I've heard Chai, one of our directors, it's a married couple who directed Mm -hmm. the film, Jimmy and Chai. And I think she said, it takes three times longer. Everything takes three times longer. 
So we talked about logistics, Jody and I did, in terms of the schedule and how much film we had and how much script we had. When I say how much film we had, how much time we needed and what could we cut and what could we strip away and what could we add and what was needed and what was too long. I thought her ideas were really good. And I thought, wow, hope she does the movie. So yeah, when she agreed, I was thrilled. And we've become friends. As I'm thinking about it in this moment, I think part of the reason that it worked with us is that we're both at a kind of good place in terms of feeling a certain amount of freedom internally in our lives. Our kids are now kind of grown. That's a big difference. You know, when your kids are out of the house, it's, it's, it's a big switch. And I think we both feel a certain amount of liberation in our lives personally, too. So, you know, we're just in it for the work and we're in it because we love to do it. And having each other was a great thing. I tried to be there for her as much as I could emotionally, physically, in every way. And then she was certainly there for me. And we got to observe the relationship between Bonnie and Diana and we would hang out with them. The four of us would go and do things and then. Afterwards, Jody and I would get together and say, oh, yeah, did you see she did that? And then she said that. And then, oh, isn't that, you know, so we were all kind of falling in love. And also, you know, we knew that we had this relationship to dramatize. So it was a pleasure. And we really got into it. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Jody was interviewing you for for that medallion. I love when she was like, I was screaming, get her out of the water. It's too much. And you would stay in the water. So I love the way there was that camaraderie. So let's talk about the water. You completely transformed, even though basically you're just in a Speedo for the majority of the movie. It's like I felt like I was watching. It's like your physical transformation and then just the actual swimming. You had to learn to swim in this competitive way. There was stunt double standing by, but you did 99.9% of all the swimming, if not 100% of it in the water was you. I did do it. And as I was training, at first I was just, I thought, wow, I sort of underestimated what I thought it was going to be. And then as I got into it, I thought, well, you know, maybe it won't be all me. Maybe we will use other people and maybe that's fine. So I didn't go into it kind of knowing where we would land. Although I got into the swimming, I I hired a coach. I had an Olympic swimmer, Rada Owen, who was my coach. And I began to really enjoy it. And I still swim. It's just the best exercise. It's the best for the mind, the spirit, the bod. It's like just the best. And it helps me sleep, by the way. For anybody who has sleep issues, swimming regularly really helps with sleep. So I fell in love with the swimming. And then I got so I could kind of pull it off so that when I got there and they were so relieved, you know, they saw me swim and they were like, oh, thank God, it looks okay. I also kind of knew it wouldn't look right if somebody else was swimming that you'd probably be able to tell. And that always bugs me. So part of it is, I suppose, ego. It's like, I have to do it because otherwise it's not going to look right. But then I also just enjoyed it. I I liked being in the water. It felt good. And, you know, with with the, the scenes where she's struggling and having jellyfish and sharks and storms and allergic reactions and all of that, that's another matter. But in terms of just the swimming itself, I I kind of fell in love with it. It relaxed me every day. And once you get into swimming, you sort of have to do it regularly so that you feel good. 
so yeah, it evolved into me doing it. And that just felt very organic and I enjoyed it. And I was tired. I was definitely tired. And I remember on Saturdays, we had Saturdays and Sundays off and I would just be like a noodle on the couch, just like limp. But then I'd get myself revved up again and go back into it. So it was a, a welcome challenge, you know, no complaints. Yeah, no, and it's so inspirational just to know that you did that and you jumped in. And, and I agree with you. When you see a movie and someone's playing a couple chords of a piano and then you realize you're not really playing that or whatever <laughs> it is, it's so great to see that you actually did it. And I think I love that you already mentioned Jimmy and Chai because they are a married couple. They're very unique. This is their first feature film. They're They're known for their Docs basically covering extreme sports. They did Free Solo, won an Oscar about free climbing for my listeners. That is like you're going right up a sheer face of a mountain with no ropes, no security. So they understand this mindset, which is so important, that athletic mindset of what would drive someone, let alone at 28 at 60, this there's nothing, which is so interesting to me, nothing stands in the way between them and accomplishing their goal. And I thought it was so interesting to see how we saw her journey through that, where she was so single-minded at certain points that she's willing to risk other people's lives. She's not even thinking about it because she's so focused on the goal. These filmmakers, were, it was the right match of, of content. Definitely. Yes. And Jimmy is a, an alpinist, you know, and a, and a very competitive, extreme athlete himself. And in the book that she wrote, which is a good book, by the way, and I do recommend it, she talks about that athletic instinct and that so many people who are athletes and professional athletes, they have to stop, right? That's what happens. It's the thing that they all have to face is retirement. And so for her, she sort of never got over that. Even though she went into broadcasting, she retired from marathon swimming. She tried to do the Cuba, Florida swim when she was in her late 20s. She failed. She went into broadcasting and did a bunch of other things for 30 years and then kind of woke up at 60 and said, you know what, I'm not really done. And so I think there are a lot of people who can relate to that. It doesn't have to be swimming. I think a lot of us want a challenge. We want a new thing. We want to have to learn a new thing or tackle something new. I see that with my women friends. A lot of women that I know, they take on something new at that stage of life. And in my case, it's this particular character in this job. But a lot of people are doing that in different fields. And I see that there's this kind of surge of energy. But I think a lot of us want a new challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of was lucky that it was brought my way and I grabbed it. But I think a lot of people want that kind of thing. How was it to work with a husband and wife team? It was good. I mean, they, they're they both very intense, very smart, very driven. They really want to get things right. And they take nothing for granted. They're hardworking. They're lovable too, but they don't mess around. And I think sometimes they felt that they had to agree on stuff. And I would always say to them, hey, it's okay if you don't agree, because that's where creativity comes in. That You know, you want a certain amount of, of creative chaos on a set. Not too much, not too little, just right. Because, you know, you have to be organized and you have to get shit done and you have to, you know, you're got to stay on schedule. But then 
if something comes up and there's an idea, something to change, or if there's something we haven't figured out, we have to be able to say, well, I think this and you think that, and what's the best idea? So sometimes I think they did feel they had to always kind of feel the same way about something. And I would say, no, it's okay. I don't have a problem with that. If you're thinking one thing and you're thinking another, but they both had uh, suggestions. They would come and talk to us about what was going on beat by beat in the scene. And, you know, I remember both of them having good suggestions and ways of talking. Of course, they were also sort of, they've talked to me about how having made so many documentaries, you know, they can't manipulate the figures in the documentaries, right? They have to just receive the information as it's coming. And even though they would sort of say to themselves, oh man, it would be great if that person like had an emotional moment at a certain point, right? Because then I could put it in the doc and it would play. But of course, you can't do that as a documentary filmmaker. But with us, they could. And I think they kind of relished the idea of being able to manipulate a story and say, okay, this is where it should peak. And this is where you should have this reaction. And I think they kind of relished being able to actually get in there and tell people what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Although they were very, they always, they always talk about how they were very reluctant to do that. They were intimidated by us, yada, yada, but that didn't last too long. I think they got over it pretty quickly, but they did have to get on bullhorns, you know, when, when we were out in the water. And, and I think that was a little bit intimidating sometimes. Trying to give a note on a bullhorn is, is not fun. <laughs> well, well, some of the most tense stuff, obviously, you mentioned it a little bit, is that she's getting stung by jellyfish. There's sharks. As an audience, you're in the moment with them, right? And it's so dramatic. And then I remove myself and think, oh, you're still swimming and acting with the jellyfish mask. And, the you know, those masks were crazy. How was that to act and be athletic and do all the things you had to do, be in the flow, as we say, right? Just be in all of it seamlessly with, with all of those different things happening. It just made me more and more just amazed at Diana. So she gets stung by the box jellyfish in the Gulf Stream, which is, of course, where she's swimming. And at that point, the box jellyfish, which is, I think it's safe to say, the most deadly jellyfish on the planet. And it was only known to be in the Southern Hemisphere because it only liked warmer water. But by this time, with global warming, it had found its way into the Gulf. The head of the box is very small. And then it has these long, 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 long tendrils It's deadly. So she's stung. She almost dies. And so she and Bonnie go and find this expert. And she builds this mask, which goes completely over her head. By the way, the the thing that I didn't really understand until I was doing it was there are dentures inside of the mask that were built in that she had to bite down on. So not only did she wear this suit that she had to put on by herself during the night swims, and of course there's two nights of swimming in this marathon swim. There's a denture inside that she had to bite down on. So when she was swimming at night, she was exhaling and inhaling out of the water. Then she would clamp down and put her face in the water because she couldn't even exhale into the water because it would be too dangerous with the possibility of the box. I mean, (laughs) that's crazy. She did that for two solid nights. I mean, this is the level, like she just, nothing was going to stop her. So she eventually did it. Crazy. And then you did it. You know, you emulated it. Well, I faked it. You faked it, but you faked it really, really well. 
How many swimsuits did you have when you arrived on set? Like, how many did you go through in the course of this film? Oh, that's a good question. A lot. Yeah, I don't know, maybe 20? I'm not sure, because we had different colors and for different time periods. And was I in St. Martin or was I in the Bahamas or was I actually doing the swim? So, yeah, we had a whole bunch of them. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. I want to take you back and look at your body of work, right? You've got many, many awards, many nominations for the work that you've done. And you've done a lot of genres, a lot of different characters, a lot of complex women. Are there any that are more special to you than others or one that you remember more vividly because of what was happening in your life at the time or catapulted you into something else that you didn't expect? When I think back, some of the movies that don't get as much attention, that people don't bring up as much, those can be just as meaningful as a person in your craft. I've made a movie called Mother and Child with Rodrigo Garcia that I just love. And it it had such a big impact on me. And I thought so much about it. He's such a special filmmaker and writer. That's one that I think about. Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool mm-hmm. was one I, I really loved making about Gloria Graham. It was a story that I had thought about for a long time, as had one of our producers, Barbara Broccoli, because uh, she actually knew Peter Turner, who wrote the book about his relationship with Gloria. He's a wonderful man. And we had talked about doing that forever. Those Love projects, that movie, I will say. Oh, thank you. People need Thanks to go find that film. I, I remember that seeing that movie very well and knowing a little bit about Gloria Graham just from being a, a cinephile and a film buff, but not knowing her life and like kind of seeing that later part of her life and what that means for an artist. Thank you very much. It was a joy to do that. I mean, certainly when I first started, I think a lot about those movies because I was learning so much at the time. I did a movie with Milos Forman that was, you know, it was just a dream job. I just will always remember the moment I got the phone call and they told me I got this movie. It was this period film shoot for six months in Europe. It was like with this great director and the movie had done before that was Amadeus. It changed my life, that experience. Valmont, right? You're talking about Valmont, right? Yes. Valmont, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then after that, I did The Grifters. Oh, The Grifters. The Grifters was like something we'd never seen before. I mean, that film really, I feel like, hit the zeitgeist in a way. You know, pre-social media. At that time, I don't think there were a lot of people doing that kind. You know, Stephen Frears directed it. He was interested in film noir. So he was trying to kind of do a, a modern film noir. Donald Westlake wrote the screenplay from the Jim Thompson book. Jim Thompson is a, a writer a lot of people have made movies of his books. He wrote these paperbacks that were super popular, but they happened to be just very smart and very literate. They're full of crime and subversion. And it's often, you know, there are murders going on in a small town and who's doing them? The sheriff. There's always something twisted going on in in a great way. He was such a good writer. So it was based on one of his books. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you met your husband on Bugsy and you went on to have four children, which is incredible while having a full career. And you're still married. I should just say that it does happen in Hollywood. People I know (laughs) like to uh, say it doesn't, but it does happen. And you're living proof of that. Uh, Your youngest, I believe your daughter is interested in acting. Yeah. My youngest daughter, Ella, she went to Juilliard. She graduated 
a year and a half ago, and she's currently out there auditioning. And yeah, she's very serious about it. I mean, you've had a bird's eye view, obviously, within your own career and then living in Hollywood. I would be just so curious on some of your thoughts about what it's been like to A, watch Hollywood evolve, evolve and then have your own daughter entering into this new world order. I want my kids to follow what they love. So the fact that she found something she feels so strongly about, that she followed her instinct, that she got herself trained, and she really takes it very seriously. She's very disciplined. I have a lot of respect for her. One thing I don't know what it's like is to be an upcoming actor, actress with social media and the pressures that are on people who are starting out and what that means and Instagram and how many followers you have and all of that part of it, I'm pretty ignorant about. I feel for people starting out. I think it's tough. Everyone has a camera. Everyone makes films. Everyone shoots everything all the time. Also, self-taping, I think, is really tricky for people who don't know what that means. Right now in the business, if you're up for something, if somebody is interested in auditioning you, you end up making your own self-tape on your own phone or on your own iPad or however you do it, where you have to actually act out the scene on camera yourself you have to put that together and then you have to send it to your agent and then the agent sends it in. It used to be we would go in and read for people. Or if someone was interested in you and you were getting a call back, you might go in and read. Or you would go into the casting director's office and they would put you on tape is what they used to do. And then they, of course, used to actually take the physical tape and fly it <laughs> and have people watch it. Now, of course, with the digital age, it's all changed. So I think, I don't know, I think the craft, it, it matters to me. And I think it matters to a lot of people. And I don't think you have to have had a lot of fancy training to be an actor. There are a number of people I know who are excellent, who just started doing it, maybe as kids. And then they kind of found their way into the profession. But I think it's a tough profession right now. And there's a lot of pressure on young people about how they look. And I don't know what that would be like. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about that, but... Yeah, there, there there was always that element to the business, right? Like what you look like, how you look on camera. But now I, I agree, the level is just, there's 15 different layers to it now, you know? Yeah, there's so much pressure and people being photographed in the red carpet, that's become a whole thing. And I mean, it, there's always been a certain amount of glamour. That's not new associated with the business, but now appearing on the red carpet and people, the pressure that especially women have. I think men feel it too, but let's face it, it's harder for women. You know, your body is supposed to look a certain way and there's a lot of pressure on young people as they start now. And I think that's tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what dress, how you wore it, it's like always ranking and, and all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I'm really curious to see how everything plays out, you know. I have one last question for you. Aside from the pool, which now I know I love hearing that you are continuing to swim, because when I asked Jody about, you know, I know she worked out and was so buffed. I said, how quickly did you lose it? She's like, oh, real quick. <laughs> like she stopped doing her kind of intense training to resemble Bonnie. But other than swimming once a day, where would we find you on your day off? Like what is your favorite thing to do when you're not working or reading or prepping or rehearsing? Yeah, you'd find me with a book. You'd find me with my dog. I have a fabulous 
gigantic Newfoundland that although she's now she's kind of old so she's not crazy about getting in the car anymore and uh, although once in a while she'll still go on hikes with me Uh, I live in LA most of the time you find me um, with my girlfriends like having a chat having a cup of tea or uh, watching something with my husband you know we love to sit and watch good stuff we watched a really interesting documentary called The Disappearance of Sherry Height. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So we watched that the other night. And of course, we're watching all the Academy movies this year. My dad just passed away. He was 97. Great man. Loved him. Loved him dearly. And my mom is about to turn 95. Wow. So I see my family. I've got a wonderful sister and two brothers. I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews. I've got four kids, like you mentioned. My kids are from 32 to 23. You know, they're amazing. I adore them. Big part of my life. So, you know, and trying to get organized. I'm always trying to get more organized. I have a number of friends who are very organized, and I aspire to that. I'm not. I'm, I'm like in the middle. I'm not terrible, but I'm certainly, I'm always working at that, like getting rid of stuff. (laughs) I don't know if you have that issue. Uh, You see me nodding. I mean, for those of you hearing, (laughs) I'm just nodding because it is a constant state for me. And I'm so relieved to hear that even you are, it's every, every day is a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, it's great to see you, Annette. Thank you so much uh, for the time. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it and love your work. And you're just fabulous in this film. Thank you so much for your interview. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Okay. Thanks a lot. See ya. Take care. Nyad is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueue.com.